But we are continuing on in our series. We, we started this series um, on, a couple weeks ago, and a series entitled Lent, Reflection, and Preparation. And this has been a kind of an ongoing journey. Um, some of, of, of us are not familiar with Lent. Some of us kind of wonder why we're talking about Lent, and we'll get into that. Um, but today I want to I talk about spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation, not behavior manipulation. And so, are you ready this morning? Thanks, Jamie. Are you ready this morning? Thank you. Those of you online, you can just say, I'm ready. Just type it into the chat. I'm ready. Ready to roll. I'm just, I, can, I can hear you shouting at me. But Lent is this, this crazy kind of liturgical practice of reflection and preparation as we begin to anticipate this journey towards Easter and, and Good Friday. This is this ongoing conversation um, of what it means to truly posture ourselves to receive the promise of a Savior. And this Passion Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter that we celebrate and we look forward to really all year long represents the greatest act of sacrifice, the greatest gift of love that the world's ever seen. And yet often we come to this, this journey and we, 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 we maybe just kind of look at this, this path and this, this journey to Easter as, as kind of an empty ritual. We tend to kind of just approach Easter as just like another week, and it's like, hey, isn't it great? You know, we'll celebrate when we get there, and it'll be awesome. But I would hope that as we come to this season, that we would maintain an openness to the spiritual change that God wants to bring about in each and every one of our lives. This transformation process that was purchased when Jesus claimed victory over death and the cross and the grave. Now you may still be asking yourself, why are we talking about Lent? I'm glad you asked. Maybe you don't really understand why it's important or why we're even having this conversation. I found an article in, in a magazine Christianity Today from March 29th, uh, 2017. And the, uh, the guy who wrote the article, his name's Aaron Damiani, he writes this when it comes to Lent. He said, the word Lent is an old Saxon word meaning spring. And no, it's not in the Bible. However, the path of Lent, prayer, fasting, and generosity over a period of time is heavily emphasized by the authors and characters in the Bible, including Jesus. See, the Bible commends a lifestyle of worship and devotion that looks considerably like Lent. Therefore, while the the word is absent in the Bible, the reality of Lent is woven throughout the whole of Scripture as we have discovered. The Bible is packed full with specific times set aside for devotion to God, including ones that last 40 days. Moses fasted for 40 days when he communed with the Lord on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. Elijah fasted for 40 days on his journey to meet God at Horeb in 1 Kings 19. And of course, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert to prepare for his public ministry in Matthew chapter 4. See, Lent is a time for us to reflect on the direction of our lives. And it's a time where we should open ourselves to the change that needs to occur. It's a time to focus on realigning our hearts to the heart of Jesus. And this should result in a 
true expression of faith when we realign ourselves to that which, what, which God has created us for. Many merely use this time of Lent or this season as, as, as a, a time, for, time for fasting or ritualistic spiritual discipline. And this biblical practice serves to channel our physical hunger into a spiritual hunger. That's what fasting's all about. We neglect or, or kind of shy away from something natural that we need in order to focus on something spiritual. But spiritual disciplines must be accompanied by a heart change. God's call to this change came to us through the prophet Isaiah. And we're going to read a little bit about what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there this morning, and I'm just going to chuck my Bible. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 55, 58, verse 5. The words will be on the screen. Also, um, the service is available on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Neighborhood Church Events. But in, starting in Isaiah 58, verse 5, it says, Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, Here am I. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You that You are with us. That Your presence is a constant in our lives. And yet we find ourselves chasing after so many things, pursuing our own desires and passions and dreams. And so often we find ourselves outside of your plan and your purpose wondering why we're where we are and wondering why we find ourselves so hopeless. Father, today I pray that you would call us back to yourself, that you'd transform us from the inside out, and that we would experience your power and your presence and your peace at work in our lives. God, we love you and we thank you that you see us and that you know us and that you have a perfect plan for each and every one of us. God, we give you ourselves this morning, and we ask your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this passage in Isaiah chapter 58 is an interesting one because the posture changes throughout this short little passage of Scripture. There's a, a posture and a focus to each moment, each stanza, if you want to call it that. As the, the, the writer starts, he, he is he's talking about this attitude and this posture of fasting and humbling ourselves. But the, the focus is kind of on ourselves. It's, you know, is, is this fast meant just to bow ourselves low and to you know, rub, rub ourselves down with ashes and lay down on sackcloth? And there's a, a self-focus to the attitude and posture of denying ourselves. And then, interestingly enough, in verse 6, the, 
the, the, the posture and the focus begins to change to what we should be seeing and what we should be doing and what we should be reflecting so that we can help other people, so that we can be a blessing. And then finally, in, in chapter 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. Then the focus becomes our attitude of worship reflecting our devotion to God, to the people around us. It becomes more of a God focus, pointing people to Him. And so often we forget that our purpose on this earth is to glorify God and to point people to His love. Because we embrace His love naturally as believers, but then we're called to share that love, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it takes an attitude and a posture of reflection. See, true reflection prompts more than just a, a change of behavior. Right? When we come to this, this path of reflection, this time of preparation for what God is desiring to do in your life and mine, it should be a time that we begin to understand what God is desiring to do in our lives. It shouldn't just be, well, I'll, I'll stop doing this and I'll start doing that and I'll make sure that I've got everything kind of attended to just right. No, see, honest reflection tends to move us to the point of change. It's not until we begin to look at our lives and say, oh, okay, wait, there may be some things that, that need to be changed or adjusted or transformed, if we can use that word. We, we tend to see this need for everyone around us to change, but we oftentimes look, look at ourselves and we, we, we like to give ourselves a break. We, we like to give ourselves a pass. Yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up in a lifestyle of do's and don'ts and, and completely miss the importance of Christ-like living. Because now all of a sudden our, our focus is on a task or a to-do list or a to-don't list. Sometimes we, as kids, we feel like all of life is just a list of do's and don'ts. Do this. Don't do that. Clean your room. Don't throw paint in the house. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, ah, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you, you know, you know, everybody's favorite. Don't get into the cookies before dinner. You can ruin your dinner. You can ruin your appetite. I don't think that we ever, ever said that to our kids. But it was said to me a lot when I was growing up. Oh, how times have changed. And, you know, eat your, eat your vegetables because they're going to help you grow up big and strong. Do you know I just figured out this year that eating carrots does not actually help your eyesight? I had the wool pulled over my eyes literally my entire life. I want a refund. This is ridiculous. Or maybe this one. Don't jump off the house into the pool. That one might have actually just been for me. I don't know if my mom got a hold of my notes. Um, but we look at life as kind of this list of rules. And too often we kind of look around the world and we go, oh yeah, it's kind of life rules for thee, but not for me. You ever heard that term in the last two years? Rules for thee, but not for me. You can thank all of our lovely, wonderful elected officials and politicians putting mandates in place, but not living by them. You know, do this and you can't go out to a public restaurant, but they're throwing these opulent parties. And you know, we've all kind of watched it on the news like, oh, I see how it works. 
But if we're truly going to you know, come to the place of, of real confession, you guys have heard time and again, you probably get sick of listening to it, but I get a little wound up when I'm behind the wheel. You know, people coming up too fast on me or people driving you know, through a, a neighborhood too fast and you're like, go those people. And then I have a tendency when I'm in a little bit of a hurry to throw caution to the wind and just do all the things that I've gotten really frustrated with other people doing and forgetting that you know, those rules apply to all of us, not just other people. But we love to point the finger. We just don't like it when it's pointed back at us. That's not fun. So do you believe that God cares only that you behave correctly? That you do the right things all the time? That as long as you aren't doing bad things, you and God are okay. You're, you're, you're alright. We're on the same page. We're, we're moving together. Do you find yourself trying to live by a set of rules, literally like white-knuckling your Christian walk? Like, oh, if I could just not do that and start to do this and... And you strain hard not to give in to the temptations of sin. See, we look at sin and we, we, we tend to think you know, God sees sins differently. We, we like to think that maybe God grades on a curve when it comes to sin. Right? Does everybody remember the curve? Getting graded on a curve, bell curve? Is that the only one who's graded on a bell curve? Yeah. Yeah, we all remember the curve. We love the bell curve, right? Because you didn't really have to study. You just kind of showed up and you... It's like nobody do really well, okay? It's all kind of stink. <laughs> we, we love the bell curve, right, in school. And except if you had that brainiac person in your class. Then you hated the bell curve. And if you were the brainiac in the class, thank you. Thanks a lot. Nobody appreciates you, except for your parents maybe. Because they probably put the little bumper sticker on your back of their car. My kid's you know, scholar kid at such and such a school. And then everybody got the ones that said, my kid beat up your scholar kid. You know, anyway. Sorry, we're getting off topic here. But we, we tend to see God's justice this way. You know, it's, it's, well, you know, that sin's not that bad, you know. But that person over there, man, that's really bad. You can't do that. Like, I'm okay, that's not good. And we don't have a problem with God's justice when, it, when it's for somebody we, we deem really evil and their behavior is just despicable. But when it comes to our own sin, we freely embrace God's unending grace. It's like, yeah, thank you, God, for forgiving me. Uh, that person, I don't know if you should be just yet. Maybe they need to learn their lesson and then you can forgive them. But God's justice comes to every one of us. None of us is above the law. None of us is above the curve. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 22. We all are familiar with Romans 3.23. But Romans 3.22 says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. What does it say? The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to who? All. All who believe. Every one of us. Those who sin really, really badly, and then those who just kind of sin. Every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. 
but it's through Christ Jesus that we receive forgiveness. See, we, we can't transform ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We're just not that good. And while we can't change ourselves back into the perfect image of God that we talked about last week that we were created in, that imago day, we can create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place. We can do the things that can allow the power and the presence of God to change us. This is where spiritual practices come in. Spiritual practices are not a way to make brownie points with God, like, oh, he's up there going, oh, they read their Bible. That's good. Good, okay. Oh, oh, they, they prayed before their meal. Even better. This is fantastic. I'm so proud. Right? He's not up there like doing a little little, little tick marks on the on the chalkboard. No, tra- spiritual practices are not a self-help program by which we take control of our own journey and change ourselves. That's not what spiritual discipline is about. Rather, spiritual disciplines are concrete activities that we engage in in order to make ourselves available for the work that only God can do in our hearts. Only He can change us. See, many of us get good at con- controlling our actions to appear godly when people are watching. We get really good at kind of playing Christian. But we struggle. We struggle to really live or act like a follower of Jesus those other six days of the week. It's hard because we're trying to change ourselves. We're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to live by a, a set of rules. But first. Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's not interested in all the little ritualistic things that you do. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in, in you allowing Him to transform you. See, the... the, the it's, it's, it's amazing to me. There's so many miracles in life. We can look around and we can see the hand of God in so many things. Both the formation of a, a baby in its mother's womb and the transformation of a caterpillar in the cocoon are these natural phenomena in the physical world. But there's something about both that are absolutely God-ordained. These metaphors place the process of spiritual transformation squarely in the category that we call mystery. See, you can't change yourself the same way a baby can't grow itself, the same way a caterpillar can't will its way into becoming a butterfly. That's not how it works. If I work really, really hard, I'll get bigger. No, you have no control over that. There are some of you who have babies growing in your bellies right now. And you have no control over what that baby is doing when it kicks you in the middle of the night and you're like, no, that didn't feel great. There is something outside the range of normal human activity, ability, and understanding that can only be understood through divine revelation, understanding God's plan and purpose, and be brought about by divine activity, divine intervention. As incredibly amazing as God has created you and me to be, 
we are utterly incapable of transforming ourselves by merely changing the way we talk and the way we think and the way we behave. No, instead we have to stay in a posture of reflection in order to have the awareness to daily surrender ourselves to the transformational power of God who desires to be fully at work in our lives. See, transformation comes as a result of Jesus' victory over the cross. That's the only, that's the only reason we have any hope of transformation in our lives. It's because of Jesus. Because of the work that he did at the cross. God wants to transform us from the inside out with the same power that conquered death in the grave. We talked about it last week. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. So that we can have the hope of transformation. That, that the things that we've done that have destroyed our lives and have hurt people and have caused us to be divided from those that we love, God can transform those things in us. He can change us. The realization we need to have is that He will do the work. He just wants us to be open to His change in the process. He wants us to be willing to allow Him to transform us. He wants to change our understanding of Him so that we increasingly view life from His perspective, which will result in godly behavior. When we see the world through God's eyes, we will tend to act more godly because we'll see people as God's chosen. We'll see those yahoos who are zipping down the street that we want to get all ticked off at as people who are just as flawed as we are and we'll have a little bit more grace and a little bit more love and a little bit more understanding. He doesn't want us simply to attempt to change our outward behavior without allowing Him to transform our inward thinking. See, it doesn't matter if you change the way you behave if you don't ever change the way you think. If you don't allow the Spirit of God to renew your mind, it doesn't matter what you do. Because sooner or later, what's on the inside is going to do what? It's coming out. We've all been there. Whack! God! Bless it! You know, we, we're just... Mm-hmm. And whatever's on the inside comes out and look out world. I can remember many seasons of my life where I tried to change destructive behaviors and patterns in my life, very unsuccessfully, I might add. I had areas of my life where I didn't have good boundaries. I didn't, I didn't have margin. I was burning the candle at both ends and was destroying relationships and, and hurting my wife. And, and I would come home and there wouldn't be anything left in the tank and I wasn't good for anybody. Kids would want to see me and, oh, I'm just too tired. I had the wrong people speaking into my life, the wrong voices that were influencing my behavior. Work and ministry were prioritized over family to the point where I can remember almost losing my wife and my kids, my ministry. I can remember... Sitting before God, having the conversation, God, if you take my wife and you take my kids and you take my ministry and you take my family and you take my friends, if you take it all, I'm still going to love you. 
I'd built a life of habits and behaviors that only served my purpose. And it wasn't until I came to a place of complete brokenness and allowed the Spirit of God to begin the inside work of transformation that there was a path out. See, we like to just kind of make little tweaks, you know, change the window dressing of our lives and think that's going to do it. And God's like, no, 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 no. No, we got to do a complete demo. We got to tear this thing down and start rebuilding because I've got better things in store for your life. See, behavior change will always be temporary. But the spiritual transformation that God brings about is just that transformational. It's about face, it's change everything. Let's not just do a little remodel. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I love the way that the New Living Translation says this, provides the steps for this transformation process to occur. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you want God's will in your life? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Do you, got, do you, do you want God's will in your life? Do you, do you hear that? You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and what? Perfect. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Yeah? Perfect? I can get on board with that. Nothing in life that I've done is perfect, but I could get on board with God's perfect plan for my life. What an incredible gift to be in lockstep with the Spirit of God. See, this, this transformation that we're talking about that, that Paul talks about in Romans is it leads to a different way of living. It leads to a different way of thinking, of, of working, of parenting, of forgiving, of serving, of relating, and ultimately, a different way of loving other people. It causes us to see the world differently and to respond differently and to reach out differently. But it's only the Spirit of God at work in our lives that can bring about this transformation. It's nothing that we can do on our own. You know, I love chocolate milk. Does anybody here like chocolate milk? Yeah, doggone it. I mean, I love chocolate milk. There was, there, you know, I, I'm going to confess, there was a, a brief period of my life where I walked away from God and I began experience, experimenting in the destructive world of, star, of strawberry milk. I admit it. I'm not proud of it. But ultimately, I came back to my first love. Chocolate milk. It's just a marriage of two beautiful things, right? Milk, chocolate. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. The interesting thing is you can have chocolate and you can have milk and not have chocolate milk. You ever seen that? Have you ever figured that out? Let's, let's kind of do a little symbolism here. Let's take the, the glass of milk. Let's, let's, let's let that be you and me. Right? This, is a, this is a person. And the chocolate is, represents the Spirit of God. Represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you can have 
both. But here's, here's the deal. If you pour the chocolate the, in, into the milk, and you've got to do it the right way, right? There's a circular motion, and you should go counterclockwise. Right? If you pour the chocolate in the milk and then let it set, what does the chocolate do? It sinks to the bottom. See, a person, when, when they receive Christ, is given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at their, at their point of conversion, their point of decision. And they're justified before God. You know that word justification means? When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we are justified. I like to say it this way, you're just as if you never sinned. So you're made perfect in God's eyes. Pretty cool. And then the Spirit of God comes in. Now take the same milk with the, 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 the chocolate at the bottom and stir it, and the milk and the chocolate begin to blend together. See, the stirring of the Holy Spirit comes when we spend time in prayer, and when we spend time in Scripture reading, and we spend time in confession of sin and, and these, all these different spiritual disciplines in our lives. And all of a sudden, what happens? We've got this beautiful gift from God called chocolate milk. And it's beautiful and it's delicious. No, no, that's perfect, Steve. That's perfect. But we get this beautiful gift, the stirring in each of us, allowing the Holy Spirit to change and transform us from the inside out by these spiritual disciplines and these habits of saying yes to God and saying no to something else. And it's through these disciplines that we see the transformation of the Spirit occur in our lives. See, as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform our understanding of Him, as He changes our mind, changes our way of thinking, we will increasingly view life from His perspective and make conscious choices to seek Him fully in every area of our daily spiritual walk. And our values and, and our convictions, literally our attitude will change over time more and more into God's likeness. And that transformed perspective will produce behavior, conduct that is pleasing to God and even more points people to God. See, I mean, we can all get on board. I mean, you know, a, a nice tall glass of one per, ice cold 1% milk, pretty great. But when you put the chocolate in, I mean, come on, people. Something beautiful happens. I mean, everybody would, if I let you guys all rush the stage, it would be a mess because everybody loves chocolate milk. You know who doesn't like chocolate milk? Communists. But when we come to this place of understanding that God's transformational power is desiring to change us, we won't be satisfied just staying the way we are. See, God transforms our hearts to enable humble and generous living. He transforms us so that we would live lives that are pleasing to Him, that point people to Him. Right now, so we've, we've arrived. We don't need to do anything else, right? We're good. Everything's great. Now we just sit back, watch God do His thing. Everything's great. Right? No, not quite. 
Now, God's transformed us in order that we might live lives of generosity, always striving to love people the way that God loved us. See, this transformation process is not a one-time event. It's a continual process. It's a daily journey. It's a moment-by-moment dying to ourselves to, to be made alive in Christ. It's a willingness to embrace that we are nothing without the presence and the power of God at work in our lives. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Why do we overflow with thankfulness? You ever thought about thankfulness and gratitude? The key with thankfulness and gratitude is it's nothing that we've done. It's only what we've received. That's where thankfulness and gratitude come from. It's not a, hey, you are so welcome that I am great and you all have the blessing of knowing me. You can now be thankful. No, it's not a self-focused thing. It's a God-focused thing saying, I'm thankful. You've strengthened me. You've built me up. You've changed me. You've transformed me. This should shape and direct every element of the way we live our lives. Being, being rooted means we allow the transformation God is desiring to do in our lives to be constant and present in every area. All-consuming. Think of when a baby is born. Is that the end of their growth? No, thank you, Jesus, it's not the end of their growth. Can you imagine if we all had kids and they just stayed in their diapers pooping? I'm telling you right now. I love my kids, but that was not a fun time. All right? The baby genie was not that great. It just smelled like sweet. Anyways. But no, babies grow. They grow in size and they grow in maturity. And all of a sudden they're walking around and they, they're looking at the toilet going, ah, I think I could use that. And you just say, yeah, you should. And then they develop personalities and you're kind of like, oh, these, these kids aren't so bad. This is actually maybe a good idea. And then we begin to see them develop and we see the power and the presence of God begin to work in their lives. And we go, man, you're actually making you know, sense. You're saying logical things. You can probably thank your mom for that. <laughs> and we see this progression where Kids begin to grow and they begin to make decisions and it's exciting to see. See, God is continually growing us and maturing us and building us and transforming us and making us more into His likeness. Our Christian lives should reflect that of a process and a posture of growth. Because we'll be in a constant cycle of growing until we go to heaven. Until Jesus returns and calls us home, guess what? You're not going to be perfect. I'm sorry. I know. That's tough news to take. But God is forming us and shaping us and transforming us each and every day more and more into His likeness to glorify Him, to point people to Him. 
So we shouldn't be discouraged by this journey that we're on and the temporary setbacks we may experience. But we should be encouraged because it means we'll continue to become more and more like Jesus as we, re- as we mature in our Christian walk. As we allow this transformation process to take place. I don't have it all together right now. Newsflash. I'm not perfect. Sorry. I know it's, everybody's going to leave at this point in the service. I understand. But this humble living that comes from God's transformational process means we should always stay in a posture of dependence on Him. Here's a great realization when you wake up in the morning. God, thank You for creating me in Your image. God, thank You for calling me Your child. I know I desperately need Your help today to glorify You. Because at the end of the day, every one of us is great, but we are hopeless without the power and presence of God in our lives. We are hopeless to make the right decisions, to go down the right path, to pursue the right purpose without the presence of God, without the transformational power of Jesus Christ at work in our lives. And we can't ever get to a place of believing we don't need His power and His presence every day and in every moment. See, when you look at the air in a room, it looks relatively pure and clean, doesn't it? We look around, we're like, isn't it nice? It's a nice space. Enjoying this. We're all together. It's wonderful. We've got these wonderful filtration systems and pulls the air in and out. It filters it out and pulls all the stuff out of there. But if we were to open a window and let sun, there's no sun right now, but if we were to let the light shine into this room, the light would instantly reflect on what? This would be the interactive part. What would you see? Dust. Yeah, dust particles. You'd see all the little millions of dust particles flying around in that ray of light. Imagine of one of those, that one of those dust particles is an area of your life or an issue that God illuminates. Bringing it to your attention so that you might see your life through His perspective. That you might begin to see the areas of your life He's desiring to change and transform. See, my responsibility and your responsibility is to be attentive to the Holy Spirit so that He can easily show us the areas of our lives that He wants to transform that we would be willing to understand that there's behavior that He wants to change. We have to get to that place where we choose to listen to and obey the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, knowing He will never burden us with more than we can handle at any one time, and understanding that He knows what's best for us anyways. He doesn't desire to leave us the way that we are. He desires to transform us into something beautiful. Something amazing. So what does a transformed life really look like? What will God transform me and you to be? I won't just stop some behaviors, but how I think about them will change. I'll daily want to know God better intentionally seeking opportunities to spend time with Him. 
I'll love God more and more, beginning to think more and more like Him, and I'll see the world through His eyes. I'll see people through His eyes. I'll show more grace. I'll be kind to people. I'll understand that none of us is perfect. And that when somebody is coming at me in a way that's, that's difficult to understand, there's probably something going on. Maybe there's a trauma in their life or, or maybe there's something that they're dealing with or maybe their marriage is in tatters or maybe they're in such pain they can't see past the anger that they're showing. I love others with God's unselfish, generous love. Something I am incapable of doing in my own power. I'm just telling you right now. If you need proof, just ask my wife. God will use me for His purposes often with my changed behavior impacting other people. Do you realize that when God transforms you, He will take you from what He's transformed you from and use it to encourage and bless and love somebody else? The trials and the challenges and the destruction that happened in your life that God transforms you and brings you out of, He will use to win people over and to show them that there's hope. Your story is a gift to someone. I will have peace deep in my soul that isn't dependent on external circumstances or or how people treat me. No, I'll just have peace because I know that God has got me. As I trust in the Lord and and not trust in my own understanding, as the Bible tells us, He will guide and direct my steps. I'll still be tempted to believe Satan's lies. I'll still be tempted to look at the wrong things and pursue the wrong things and invite the wrong things into my life. But as I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, the transforming power, the Holy Spirit in my life, He will help me resist and overcome the temptations of the enemy. And I will be confident, confident that I will spend eternity with Him in heaven. What an amazing promise. See, transformation is a process that will continue until we leave earth. God will continue pointing out the dust particles in your life and in mine that He wants to work on. And as we learn to abide in Him, as we learn to spend time in His presence, we will have the ability to surrender these areas to Him until He shows us another dust particle that He wants to take care of. Another area of our life that He wants to transform. It's actually an incredibly exciting path as God continues to make you and me into the image of His Son. See, we need to remember we're constantly being transformed on the inside. This process we talked about earlier, metamorphosis, it's the process whereby a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. But remember that a a butterfly is not just a a caterpillar with wings pasted on it. No, it's been transformed. And as truly transformed believers, 
we are not just our old selves with Jesus added on. That's not how it works. We are in a continual process of transformation, which is exciting and liberating because it means He is working to give you and me abundant life right now. It means that He has transformed you into something that may have been difficult to look at and difficult to deal with and difficult to interact with into something incredible. He is working to give you and me abundant life now and the promise of an eternity with Him. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Father, we thank You. God, we thank You for the gift of love that You see us and that You know us and that You desire a relationship with us. and You desire to transform us into Your likeness that we would be a blessing to the people that You place in our paths. Father, we thank You that we don't have to do it in our own power. We don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to do it in our own understanding. But as we surrender ourselves to You and that transformation process begins, Father, the beauty that You bring out of the ashes of our lives will get people's attention and will point people to You because it's only by Your strength and your power that we are changed. Help us, Father, to be in that place of willingness to surrender to what you're wanting to do in our lives. Help us to allow you to transform us from the inside out. God, we thank you for your promise of forgiveness and love and grace. And we thank you that you've created each and every one of us with a plan and a purpose and it's perfect. We place our trust in you today, God, and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our lives. And perhaps you're in that place this morning where you've not made the decision to allow God to transform your life. Maybe you're in that place where you've not made the decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And you're saying, yeah, I've chased after my own plans and my own purpose. I've, I've chased after my own priorities and it's left me frustrated and disappointed and into destructive behaviors in my life that are destroying me and others. If that's the place that you're in today, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes to God. We want to give you the opportunity to experience the transformation that takes place when we step into relationship with Jesus. We're going to say a simple prayer in a moment. We would invite you to say this prayer with us, understanding that every one of us has had to make this decision to surrender our lives in order to receive this transformational power in our lives. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be transformed. So if that's you today, if you're desiring to make that decision for the first time or perhaps you've been away from God and you're coming back, would you say this prayer with every one of us? Church, can we say this together for those who are making this decision? Say, Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And He died and was raised back to life so I could have relationship with You. 
I ask you today to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I'm telling you, this transforming power is available to us every day when we step into relationship with God daily. And as we do, the coolest thing is, God will take you from where you are to where he is desiring you to be, and the people around you will be blessed because of it. They will be given hope. They, they will see your story in action. And they'll come to the place of understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for them as well. They may just not even know it. So as we go out of this place, let's let that transformational process continue. And let's say yes to what God is doing in our lives. Let's look a little bit more like chocolate milk. Maybe less like just the regular. And I know that God's going to do some amazing things through your life and mine. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next week. Let's go out and be the neighborhood this week.